We've been going through the history of uh, Iran and the Islamic history and we've gone through a number of segments, in fact 12 segments, focusing extensively from before the time of the Prophet And we've come to the point now where we're going to be focusing on, uh, you know, tourist destinations and visiting Iran in the modern day. Uh, so we're joined by Molana Yusuf Bemat, who takes us through the weekly segment, Muslim communities. Molana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Mufti How are you this afternoon, Molana? Alhamdulillah, we are doing exceptionally well. Alhamdulillah, we are very happy. Alhamdulillah, everything is going exceptionally well. Alhamdulillah. Mulana, uh, you may go ahead. Jazakallah khairan, Muftisab. So, dear listeners, we have been going through the history, which at times will be intense, maybe political, maybe boring for some at times. But today, inshallah, will be a lot more exciting, where we'll be speaking about travel to Iran and going to visit this amazing country. So, firstly, people are concerned that it might be a police state and that there might be hassled at every corner. It is actually nothing like that, especially for tourists. Tourists have freedom, and they're able to travel throughout the country without being hassled at all. So that's the first one great thing about visiting Iran. Secondly, people are concerned about the religious police, or people maybe trying to force Shiism upon a Sunni, or they might be antagonistic towards Sunnis. The reality is that the majority of people are more secular than religious, and they couldn't be bothered whether somebody is Sunni or Shia. So traveling throughout the country, you'll seldom meet somebody who will actually be a stone Shia and who might want to force something upon you. So it is a lot easier to travel than people think. The one amazing part about traveling through Iran is that it transports the traveler back in time. Due to the sanctions over the last 30, 40, or 50 years, um, people still have very old vehicles, old cars. The airplanes as well are really old. Uh, actually, a person will read their kalima a few times during the trip uh, for most of the local trips because due to the sanctions, they can't actually get new parts or new planes as well. So it's quite rickety, but um, they still have very old planes. But nevertheless, going to Iran will transport you back in time and you'll be able to visit and uh, see many historical sites. The food in Iran is something very famous. It's known for its food. Even the vegetarian menu is pretty uh, exciting and tasty. So uh, people visiting Iran have a lot to look forward to. Looking at the geography of the country, we have Tehran, which is the capital, which is very much close to the center towards the north of the country. And as you move south, you have some of the main cities that people go and visit in Iran. So one of the cities or towns is that of Qum. Thereafter, you have Kashan, which is south of that. And then you come to the two main cities of Isfahan and Shiraz. And a little to the east of that, you have the town of Yazd. And if people, a person visits just these places, you'd get a great idea of some of the main historical sites in Iran. Um, on the far east of the country, to the south, on the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan, is the city of Zahidan, which a person can take a flight to. And um, that's also worth visiting, as we will discuss. It is the Sunni stronghold in Iran. Um, in the northwest of the country, you have Qazwin, 
Ardabil and Tabriz, which are also historical set towns and cities, which is also worth visiting. And in the east, northeast, you have Mashhad and you have Naysabur, which we spoke about in the past, the place where Imam Muslim came from, the place where Imam Bukhari studied for a long time or taught as well. So Mashhad, Naysabur and Tus as well is another town where Imam Ghazali hails from. So looking at Tehran first, Tehran is the capital city, uh, just some of the places one can visit in the city. It doesn't have too much to offer in terms of, his, in terms of history since it's a lot younger than the older cities. But uh, it has the Grand Bazaar, which is an old historic bazaar. Uh, it's split into several corridors, which are over 10 kilometers in length, and each of them specializing in different goods and has several entrances as well. So that's one place a person can visit in Tehran. Another is the National Museum, which is an institution which is around 70 years old and contains approximately 300,000 artifacts. It is the largest in the country and one of the very few prestigious museums of the world with regard to its grand volume, diversity, and quality of its artifacts. It has some really ancient items uh, in this. Uh, it houses uh, some really ancient items in the museum. And, uh, I mean, the land of Iran itself has been inhabited for thousands of years. So it's obviously the home to many historical artifacts. Uh, tour guides in Tehran will also uh, add Golestan Palace to the itinerary. It's a more recent quite a gaudy uh, little palace with glass mirrors and gold. Uh, some people uh, enjoy visiting that. That's something that else that people visit. Uh, tour groups also visit the old U.S. Embassy, which is no longer functional, but the site of chaos during the 1979 revolution. Other than that, there are certain parks and there's a city tower, but not much more to offer in Tehran. Moving south, we have the town of Qum, which is the Shi'i educational capital with their madrasas and they have one of their holy shrines there as well. Nothing much for us to really, to really visit in Qum. The town of Kashan, it has a historic bazaar in, and one of the best in Iran. It also has a variety of goods. And amazingly, the site has been the center of trade in Kashan for almost 800 years. So it's a really historic building, a historic bazaar, really beautifully de designed. It was originally built in the 10th century by the Seljuks, and the subsequent rulers made the additions thereafter. There are a few landmarks in and around the bazaar. They have the Seljuk era masjid, the Sultani, and also they have the 800-year-old Mir Imad Masjid. These are two beautiful masjid to visit in this area. There's also a wealth of caravansarais, madrasas, and hammams to explore within the bazaar and just around it. Obviously, they're more historical and not really functional today. Um, in Kashan, they also have what is known as the Thin Garden, which is also a very pretty garden. They have also an infamous place in Kashan, not to visit, but just to know that it exists. It's called Baba Shuja'uddin. And among the Shia, the act of killing Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the murderer was of Persian origin. His name was Abu Lu'lu. And they gave him the honorific title of Baba Shuja'uddin, which literally means the father of the brave religion. And unfortunately, the day of Umar radiallahu anhu's assassination, uh, the 9th of Rabi'ul Awal, was glorified. Uh, and this particular murderer 
he was celebrated in remote Iranian villages in the past, and um, in even even the cities as well. Uh, it was called Jashne Umar Koshi, which was the celebration of the killing of Umar radiallahu But due to pressure from Sunni countries, the Iranian government shut down the shrine. So there was a shrine called Baba Shujauddin, which is found in Kashan, and it was shut down in 2010. But it's still there. It's, it's still it's shut down, but it's still protected. And it's not easy to locate. There's no directions that people will give you, but it seems shut closed. And only the locals in town knew its location. So that's something else which is found in Kashan. Moving further south, there is the town of Nain. And there is the Juma Masjid in the city. Nain lies 170 kilometers north of Yazd and 140 kilometers east of Isfahan. Um, it is an oasis city and its claim to fame is this Jami'a Masjid, which dates back, which dates back a thousand years making it one of the oldest masjids in Iran. Um, it was originally constructed in the 10th century, and unlike other masjids in the region, it doesn't conform to the usual four Iwan pattern, which is famous in this part of the world. It might seem very modest at first sight, the exterior facade and the minaret are very... Uh, but they are austere, uh, beautiful, and in many parts of the interior, including the mihrab, are decorated with finely detailed, detailed stucco work. The masjid has maintained its old member, which has been exquisitely carved from wood and dates back how many years? A cool 700 years. So the, uh, the, the member, the, the wooden member, is 700 years old in this masjid. There's also an underground prayer hall, which is designed to keep the musallis cool in summer and warm in winter. And uh, sadly, very sadly, this masjid has been neglected and isn't used for the daily solar. So a thousand-year-old masjid, not really uh, looked after and isn't used for the daily solar, but still a beautiful masjid to visit, a thousand-year-old masjid. Moving south to the city of Isfahan. Isfahan is neither the capital city, nor the largest, nor the oldest, but despite all of that, it is the most exemplary of Persian cities with an extreme, extremely rich cultural and religious heritage. It is situated in the geographical center of modern Iran, and it was founded prior to Muslim arrival. Since the emergence of Isfahan as an early Islamic metropolis, by virtue of its geographical location, it had more temperate climate and it has fertile soil, it has since then occupied a prominent place in the history of Iran. Twice it served as the political and cultural center of Iran during the Seljuks and also that of the Safavids. So it has had its fair share of conquest and expansion by nearly every conqueror who has cast his net over these lands. Isfahan gained its luster and world renown during the reign of the great Seljuks. Tughril, who was the founder of the dynasty, is recorded to have been so fond of the city that he moved his seat of rule to Isfahan. And then under the patronage of uh, the Seljuk Malik Shah and his viziers Nizamul Mulk and Tajul Mulk, uh, Isfahan began to, to grow. And then according to one of the travelers, whose name is Nasir Khusrow, uh, if listeners remember, we discussed him and spoke about him when we did our, our discussion on Hajj. So according to Nasir Khusrow, 
um, Isfahan grew into one of the most populous and prosperous cities in the medieval world and becoming famous for its fine crafts and other industries. The most beautiful uh, architectural uh, structure in Isfahan today is the Jami'a Masjid. It is one of the oldest, one of the largest and most beautiful masajid that one can find in Iran. And it has ever-evolving blend of, of styles that helps to, defi- to define Persian masajid architecture. And its influence can be seen all over the Middle East today. And that's why it, uh, it enjoys a very special place in the history of Islamic architecture. It can be described as an architectural documentary, visually embodying the political taste and aesthetic taste of the different empires from the 8th to the 20th centuries. That's because as the dynasties came and went, each one would add on something different or something extra to the masjid, but it wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, the masjid still retained its beauty despite so many additions and so many different styles being added on. So the masjid's core the core structure dates primarily from the 11th century when the Seljuk Turks established Isfahan as the capital, as we just mentioned. There was an earlier masjid on the site, um, but under the reign of Malik Shah and his immediate successors, the masjid grew to its current four Iwan design. And the construction was directed by the two great wazirs, Nizam al-Mulk and Taj mulk And according to the legend, these two were very fierce political rivals and each desired to make his mark on the great masjid. So Nizam al-Mulk oversaw the construction of a magnificent south dome, and then a few years later, Taj al-Mulk showed him up by building an even more magnificent dome in the north. So it's really a beautiful masjid, and one will, one will witness the beauty of these domes as well. So the masjid survived from the medieval times until the modern age comparatively well, and uh, it was one of those few buildings which were spared the ravages of the Mongols when the leaders of Isfahan wisely surrendered the city without a fight. I have to say and have to add sadly that in the year 1387, Taymur Lang, who we discussed at length when we discussed uh, Uzbekistan and Samarkand, and we said that, you know, we, he is a little bit of a controversial Islamic uh, figure, so he had besieged the city and was provoked into massacring some 70,000 of his inhabitants, thus laying Isfahan to waste and making her vulnerable to further plunders for another century to come. Um, a distinguishing feature of this masjid is its urban integration. Because it's positioned in the center of the old city, the masjid shares walls with other buildings abutting its perimeter. And the masjid formed a pedestrian hub connecting the arterial network of paths which are crisscrossing the city. And far from being uh, an insular sacred monument, it became a facilitated public mobility and the commercial activity all surrounds this particular masjid. In the 14th century, our traveler Ibn Battuta, he visited Isfahan and he described it as one of the largest and most beautiful cities that he has visited. He said the fruits were amazing, apricots were the best in the world, known as Qamaruddin. They had the safarjal or the quinces were really uh, tasty according to him. The melons were exquisite, second only to Bukhara and Khawarizm. And he says the people were majority Sunni people. 
this is in the 14th century, obviously before the Safavids. The people were majority Sunni, however, they were Shia as well, and there they, they used to be some fights between Sunni and Shia, and uh, he says the people are very good-looking, they are brave, and they vie with one another in feeding people. Come the 16th century was the phase of the Safavids, which did not substantially alter the peripheral role of Isfahan in comparison to the capitals of Tabriz and Qazwin. And in the course of the closing years of the 16th century, Shah Abbas, whom we spoke about at length, he embarked on a vast reconstruction of the urban environment of the city. And he created the Maidani Naqshi Jahan, which is the image of the world, a vast public square which is a symbol of the city and possibly of Iran today. And architecturally speaking, it is a beautiful addition to the Seljuk Masjid and Bazaar, and it is the highlight of the city. The old bazaar, which dates back to the 11th century of the Seljuk era, the, it, was, it, it, it was around the masjid, and it was added, there were renovations done in the 16th century, and built on the southwest wing of the Jamia Masjid. So it comprises about five kilometers of shopping streets with many arches and corridors. And in the past, this bazaar was the center of the city and also the meeting point for locals. And of all the bazaars in Iran, none can compare in size to the Grand Bazaar of Isfahan. It is crisscross corridors all around the masjid, north, south, around the Maidani Naqshi Jahan, making it a really uh, exciting place for people who want to go shopping. There are many caravans arise which drop the countryside and are found in the cities as well. And uh, they were caravans arise with the hotels for travelers and the animals for centuries. So the lower level would be for the animals and then the rooms would be on top. Some of these have been renovated and are once again in use by travelers. Uh, and really people who go and stay in these places, it will really transport one back in time. And uh, it's really an amazing experience. Uh, in Isfahan, they are not, the tour guides and the tours will take people to a number of different other places. They have the Sheikh Lutfullah Mosque, which is also beautifully designed. They have the Ali Kapu Palace. They have the Qaisariya Bazaar, the Chehel Sutu and the Forty Column Palace. And there are some bridges as well, which are not as exciting uh, as the Naqsh Jahan and other places that one may visit in Isfahan. Nevertheless, tour guides take people to these places. So Isfahan is really regarded as the highlight of Iran. Um, my time seems to be running out or I've run out already. Um, there are a number of other cities we will do, which we will discuss, inshallah, possibly next week before we hopefully end off. The, the city of Shiraz is a beautiful city and uh, it's extolled uh, by historians and travelers for, for its beauty and its charm. Ibn Battuta also regarded it as one of the most beautiful cities which he, had, which he visited. So inshallah, we will speak about this. We'll speak about Zahidan and some of, it, some of the other places in the surrounding areas. Uh, inshallah, next week, bi'ilnillah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with that, inshallah, we'll end off for today. And uh, inshallah, we will continue next week with uh, hopefully the final segment on Iran. Jazakallah khair, Ma. You really wet our taste buds, literally and figuratively, in the sense that uh, we look forward to, you know, traveling to the country one day, inshallah, and visiting the places that you shared with us. And we look forward to the further discussions on Shiraz and other places. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته